Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Fifth book, sixth book in the Old Testament. Joshua, chapter 1. We're going to look into the future. Future coming up. This is that time of the year when people make temporary resolutions. We're going to talk about looking into the future today. Everybody in this room falls into one of two schools of thought. You either, uh, you either fall into the school of random chance, random choice, or predestination. Um, I believe in evolution. I know evolution is reality because we know that things evolve over time and things adapt to their circumstances. That's called evolution. That's why they evolve. But at the core teaching of evolution that's being uh, you know, taught in our nation is there is no God. There's no creator. There's no divine design behind creation. I disagree with that part of evolution. I believe there's a creator. I believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, I don't know how you can look at the mystery of what's in this earth, the majesty and the mystery and the beauty and the order and say, that came out of an explosion. I don't know how you can hold your baby and look at it, smile and say, this is an accident. This is biological chance. I believe God created the heavens and the earth, but more importantly than that, I believe God said one day, let us make man in our image. And the Bible teaches, we need to know that he is God and he hath made us. I believe we're created by a creator and his name is God that he created us. But now here's the big question. You fall into one of these two schools. Is it random chance or is it predestination? Am I just here as a biological product? Or even if God made me, did he just throw me in the earth and say, good luck, dude. See you at the end. Or do we believe as the Bible said that he created me with a specific plan? That's called predestination. Pre means before. Destiny means you have a destination. You're headed somewhere. I'm going to give you just a piece of a verse concerning this. We won't look at it, but it's in Romans and it says this. Whom he foreknew, he predestined. Foreknew means to know somebody before. How many of you believe, according to the, in agreement with the Bible, that God knew you before he created you? How many of you believe Psalm 139, 16, before I knit you in my mother's womb, I knew you. And the rest of the next verse says this, my days were written in his book. How many of you believe there's a, I'm going to put it in language you can understand. How many of you believe what the Bible teaches that there is a file on God's desk with your name on it? And there's some things that he wrote in there. Scripture teaches this very clearly. Um, we could go through those scriptures to teach that, but I, I just believe in predestination before I was born, before he said, let there be light. He saw me and I, I have a destiny or a destination that I want to get to. That's what scripture teaches. Now we're going to look at the premier passage on predestination today. And I want you to just listen to what he says about your destiny and what he created you to do and created you to be. I don't think many people are finding their true God-given destiny. I don't think many Christians are walking in their full destiny. But I want us to see this. And it's in Joshua chapter 1. Here's some truths about our destiny. And uh, let me tell you where we're at here. Where it appeared Moses has just died a few days before. Does anybody remember Moses? Remember the story about Moses' ark? 
Wrong Moses. All right. Moses led this nation 40 years. Some of you hadn't been alive that long. 40 years. Many historians, not just Bible scholars, many historians consider Moses to be the greatest human leader in world history. He probably is. And he led this people, a three million group of people, three million nation. He led them for 40 years. They lived by his command. He supplied their bread. He was everything. And he's just died. He died before his time was up. Where was Moses supposed to take all these people to? Does anybody remember? Promised land. Did he get him in there? He died before he got him in there. They were shocked. This man was supposed, we put everything we've got in this man. He's supposed to take us to the promised land. He didn't get us there. And now he's dead. He died very quickly. I mean, he wasn't sick. The Bible said he was 120. His eye hadn't dimmed. His strength hadn't abated. And, and he died like that. And God buried him so nobody would know where he was at. So they've just, Moses is dead now. And their, face, their, their lives are upside down because of this. And then the Bible begins in Joshua 1.1. Joshua was his assistant, young man. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying... Moses, my servant, is dead. How many of you think he really needed to tell him that? So this is how God speaks to him. What's the first thing he said? Moses is dead. They just spent 40 days mourning his death. He had a 40-day funeral service. And God walks up and says, the man is dead. Why would you say something like that to somebody? They knew Moses was dead. Dear ones, I want you to hear the God of glory say, here's the first thing you need to know about your destiny. Yesterday can't steal tomorrow. Even what I did yesterday that was good cannot steal what I planned for you tomorrow. What's the next word after Moses, my servant, is dead? Is it the word now? What's now mean? Quit living in the past. Here's what the Bible said. I am not the God of yesterday. Even if it was good, I'm not the God of yesterday. I am the God of the now. And he said, I know you're disappointed. I know you're shocked that things have not turned out. How many of you can honestly say everything in my life has gone just like I wanted it to? Okay, I'm just, this is illustration's sake. This is not reality. And they were shocked that things hadn't turned out. And he said, I know what happened yesterday. Listen to what he said. It's not about yesterday, now. And he said, get up and let's go. Moses is dead. Now I want you to get up and arise and go over this Jordan, you and this people to the land I'm giving them. What did he say? Here's the message. You cannot let your past dictate your future. Two parts to that. Number one, I don't care how screwed up your past is. Your past will steal your future. If you don't make up your mind, that's in the past. I'm done with it. Now listen to me carefully. Your good past will rob you of his best future. Moses was a good guy. But what he had planned for them was better than what Moses gave them. And they would have been content to, let, to live right where they were at. How many of you in this room are going to miss the great plans he's got for you because you're happy with the good you've got now? Let's fast forward 800 years from this day. Jesus Christ is walking on the earth. The ministers hate him and they reject him. Why did they reject him? Listen to what they said in John chapter 12. We know not where this fellow is from. We are Moses' disciples. Let me ask you a question. Don't you think that after a man's been dead about 800 years, you should quit following him around? That's called a Pharisee. You know what a Pharisee is? They had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were not fair, you see. That's why they were sad, you see. That's the group that led the thing back then. Let me tell you what a Pharisee is. We got them all over the land today. A Pharisee is somebody who is excited about what God is doing yesterday and cannot see what he's doing today. 
And they will fight what God's doing today in the name of what he did yesterday. That's why they said, we are Moses' disciples. God told them 800 years ago, he's dead, dude, knock it off. Been dead 800 years, they're still following him. How many know there's some things in your past you need to let go of? Turn it loose. I don't care if it's good or bad. I want you to listen. This is one of the greatest, only the kingdom of God can give you this. Only God can give you this. I don't care what's in your past. I don't care if you blew it all to pieces. Philippians 3.13 says this, forgetting those things that are behind me and reaching forward to those things that are out there. What God's saying in his word right there, there are some things out there he's planned for you, but if you don't turn loose of the past, you can't get what's in front of you. Our nation right now is being destroyed because we're all looking in the rear view mirror blaming each other. And we want to fight over the past. What did God say? Forget the past. Don't let it rob you of the future I planned for you. Then was tear the rear view mirror off the window of your soul and look forward. First thing you need to do to find a great life, a great destiny is to let the past go. Number two, he said this in verse three, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, you have a predestined future, a pre-planned life by God almighty. Now you may say, I'm an atheist. I don't even believe in him. You can't stop him from doing something just because you don't believe in him. I don't care if you've never been in church in your life. He has a plan that is prepaid for you. Let me give you a couple of verses to support how he knew you before. Many of you love the verse Jeremiah 29, 11 that says this. I know the plans I have for somebody to point to you. That's you. He didn't say, I know the plans I have for the nation. I know the plans I have for the church. I know the plans I have for you. Listen to what Jesus said. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. He has specific plans for every person. I know the plans I have for you and I know what you're thinking. Oh gosh, he's going to make me a missionary and I'm going to marry some hateful woman that wears cat eye glasses and plays an organ. It's going to be terrible. No. Let me finish it. I know the plans I have for you, plans for good. How many of you know what good is? How many of you would like a good life? His plans are good. I know the plans I have for you, plans for good. Listen to this one. This is 1 Corinthians 2, 9. I has not seen, ears not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has planned for those who love him. My favorite is Ephesians 2.10 that says this. We are the product of his hand. We are God's creation in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus for good things that God planned before time that we would live in them. And I, I mean, that you can't make it any clearer than that. He knew you. He planned you. He planned good things before you were born that you would live in them. Things, not one thing, things. And so the promise of God is that we have a predetermined life by him. Now, let me tell you, in case you're wondering, I don't know if I want him running the show or not. I don't mind going to church and not cussing much. But I, I don't know about letting him take my life over. I, you know, I got my own plans. I understand that. What does the Bible say about his plans? Let me tell you some of the things about he said about his plans. <clears throat> Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you a hateful old woman <laughs> that hates country music and wears a bouffant all the time and never kisses. <laughs> We've been taught this junk. Listen to what the Bible said. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart in every area. Let me tell you something about the will of God. Listen to the scripture. This is Psalm 48. I delight to do your will. 
Your plans are the very desire of my heart. Because Hebrews 8.10 says, he has put his will, he has written it on my heart. Which means this, you find the plans of God for your life, you will pay to be in the middle of them. Nothing will bring you greater joy and peace than to be in the center of God's will for your life. What, what a blessing. Now, number, number three, <clears throat> this is going to sound crazy to y'all. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Don't expect much out of it. You have to be me to enjoy it. He doesn't just have a plan for your life. He has an exact, specific, right down to the inch plan. Many people believe that God's plan for our life is just be good, try not to hurt nobody. That's not specific. I mean, it is right down to the inch. Let's read that. That's verse four. He said, told him in verse three, I'm taking you somewhere I prepared for you. Verse four, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, <clears throat> as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. How many of you got that on your refrigerator? How many of you quote that verse regular? Y'all never read that in your life, have you? <clears throat> Excuse me. Have <clears throat> I got that gift of healing? <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> the spirit of mucus. I got to get this thing straightened out here. He told them in verse three, I have a plan for you. What do you say in verse four? To the inch. This is your specific charted out territory that I've planned for you. It's not just the will of God that you go to church. I mean, he's got it chop, 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 right? Everything is specific according to scripture. That's why I love this verse so much. I, I know that his hand needs to be in everything and it'll be good. Let me mention several to you from scripture. <clears throat> that we should believe. Listen, we crammed him in the church house and left him here on Sundays. He's not the God of church on Sundays. He's the God of every aspect of life because he created everything there is. All righty, let me tell you something. I am married to the woman I know I am supposed to be married to. I know I'm married to the woman God wanted me to marry. There was a divine intervention to get us together. I won't explain, I won't tell you what it was. I know I'm married to the woman. So you said, I don't believe God should pick who you marry. <clears throat> Some of you should have let him. I've come back. I'm sorry. What's one of the first things we learn in the Bible? What's one of the first things he did in the Bible? Son, you sit down by that tree and I'll pick out a woman and I'll bring her to you. Is that not what he did with Adam? And he paired them up to be put together in life. Let me tell you something. God is the God of marriage. And that's amen or oh me, depending on where yours is right now. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did he say? My plans for you are what? Marriage should be the delight of your life. If you get in God's will and you find your destiny, you will love being married. It will bless you. It will delight you. Why are we in trouble in marriage in this nation? Because we're not in our destinies. We're not letting him take us where he wants to in that place. You should delight in marriage. Listen to what the Bible said. Endure her, sucker. Not hardly. What does it say? Delight yourself, young man, in the wife of your youth as a graceful deer with a loving doe. Don't worry, some of you women, don't worry. I'm not going to finish that passage. But it tells you to delight yourself. What does delight mean? Enjoy it. The scripture teaches us that he, he brings us into places like that. Listen, I believe that God, <laughs> according to scripture, one of the, I, that's part of his plan for my life was to be married to the woman I'm married to. That's part of his plan. Some of you young guys down here, don't miss his best. I'm not going to take time to tell you the story. I didn't want to ask him about getting married because I was afraid he'd give me somebody I'd, that I didn't want to be married to. And you know, once he says you got to do it, then you got to do it. I thought, well, I'll just get forgiveness. I'll pick the one I want and we'll be okay there. I have three children. That was the plan of God for our lives, mine and hers. 
children are not an aggravation or a problem. Psalm 127, behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. And God gave me those children, not to drain my bank account, not to be an aggravation and smell my house up. My children are one of the delights of my life. God gave me that. That's part of his plan. You say, well, man, I, God knows I don't want kids. Then that's not his plan for you. Don't you understand that we have a specific, he wants to be in everything we do for good and to bring our lives into good. The Bible teaches you and I all through scripture that he has people he wants to bring into your life. He has friends he wants to bring into your life. Not people to mess your life up. What does the Bible say about the people God brings into your life? What does the scripture say? As iron sharpens iron, he will bring people into your life that'll make it better. And you'll make them better. Listen, relationships are the stuff like his man. Why can we not get along in this nation? Because we won't accept our destinies from him. If you turn him loose, he would bring people into your life and you would say, this is dear to me. People that we yoke with in life. Let me go a little bit further than that. He doesn't just want to be involved in our relationships. God wants you in a specific occupation working for a specific company. You don't, we don't just go to work to pay the bills. Dear ones, what we do with our lives is in his timing. It's in his hand. A lot of people didn't know that. Let me show that to you. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 36. Exodus chapter 36. I'm sorry, Exodus 31. Exodus 31. You spend most of your waking hours with your occupation, most of you. Why do Americans hate their jobs? Because we hadn't found our place yet. We hadn't found his plans for our life yet. Notice work's not supposed to be endured. It's supposed to be enjoyed. The book of Ecclesiastes says there's nothing better than for you to delight in the labor of your hands. All right, let's read this in, in uh, Exodus chapter 36, or excuse me, 31. Watch what the Bible said. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. Verse three, and I have filled him with the spirit of God. Let's just pause right there. If God calls somebody, what do you think of? And he says, I've filled him with my spirit. What do you think they'd be doing? Preaching? How about being a carpenter? How about working in stonework? All right, let's read this. I have filled him with my spirit in wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and in all manner of what? Workmanship or craftsmanship. The Bible said this, to design artistic works. What did the Bible say right there? I have chosen certain people to do artwork. And uh, we have a little girl, I don't see her this morning. She goes to our church, a little girl. She's about 20 years old, beautiful young lady. And she, uh, we asked her to do a mural on a wall over in the next building over there. And it's beautiful. I went in there and just watched her for a minute and her hand would just flow with the brush and art just came out of her hand. And I'm thinking, how does she do that? I can't even write my name where you can read it. And she's just flowing like this. You know how she can do that? God chose her and put his spirit on her to do artwork. God's called her to be an artist. And that's what she, I've asked her, I said, what are you going to do? She said, I want to learn art and I want to use art to glorify God. Guess what? That is his plan for her life. She's right in the center of it. That's his specific working in her life. I got a dear friend. He was in the earlier service. Well, he was singing here. He is a spirit filled, godly carpenter. He does, he works on houses and I know the hand of, he, he loves what he does. He loves working with his hands. You see, what has being a carpenter got to do with God? What did the Bible say? I have called him. I put my spirit on him, given him wisdom and knowledge to do what he's doing in crafting wood. 
You might, be, you might be called to be a pharmacist, a bus driver, whatever, but there's two things you need to know about your, about your occupation. If you ever find his will for your life, two things will happen. Number one, you will delight in it. You, you'll enjoy it. You'll love, Monday morning will be a blast. You'll love getting up and going to work. You'll enjoy it. That doesn't mean we don't have bad days. Oh, I'm the only one that has those kind of days. Doesn't mean we don't have bad days. It doesn't mean we don't have conflict, but it means you will enjoy your job. And what else did the Bible say? You'll be good at it. You'll be fruitful at it. You'll make a difference in your work. You're to, listen, we don't labor so we can retire one day and put on some short britches and tall white socks and go sit at Walmart and stare at people. What kind of life is that? Labor is of the Lord and it's to be blessed and we're supposed to enjoy it. And he created us to have occupation like that. My sweetheart that I'm married to, who's supposed to be married to me, she might not believe it. I believe she's supposed to be married to me. But she married, listen, she, that woman was born to teach children. That, that's her thing. She delights in it. She loves it. She's been teaching 105 years. She'll never quit. She just enjoys it. She's good at it. Kids flock to her. You know why she's like that? Because God put his spirit on her and gave her the wisdom and knowledge that she's right where she's supposed to be. Now you put me teaching kindergarten kids. Number one, they're scarred for life. Number two, I'm in jail. That's not gonna work with me in there because I'm not called to do that. That's not my thing. God didn't give me the ability to do it, but he gave her the ability to do it. You need to find out what has he gifted, what has he put his spirit on me to do? You say, well, Brother Brian, I'm a truck driver. Well then be a spirit-filled, God-blessed truck driver who blesses the earth with it. And if that's your calling, you will love it. I remember Emmett in the fix-it shop and Andy Griffith when they tried to make him an insurance salesman. Find out what God made you to be and live in it and enjoy what he's called you to do. Occupations and delights. Now listen to me. What the scripture teaches you and I also, not just a specific job and being with specific people, he wants you in a specific location. He wants you at just the right place. We learned this in numerous places, but Acts chapter 13 <clears throat> As they were ministering to the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate to me, Paul and Barnabas, to the work which I have called them. They knew what they were supposed to do. They knew who they were supposed to be partnered with. But listen to what happened to them. They struggled to find out where they were supposed to be doing it at. We tried to go to Assyria, but the Spirit pulled us back. We tried to go to Bithynia, but he pulled us back. And they finally realized he wants us in Macedonia. So we went to Macedonia and great things happened. It's not just who you're with and what you're doing. He wants you in a specific location. Now I'm called to preach. This is what I was created to do. God's hands on me to do it. And some years ago, I missed it. I, I was doing the right thing, but I did it in the wrong place. I went to a place because they needed help. You don't do something because somebody needs help. You do it because the spirit of God sent you there. And I went to the wrong place and I, I wasn't in sin. I wasn't evil. I mean, you know, no more than my normal sins. I wasn't, I wasn't evil. I didn't blow it up, but it just didn't work. Something inside of me wasn't content. The, the hand of God wasn't on the situation. I just missed it. I was doing the right thing. I was with the right woman. I've always been with the right one. I'm going to fall over with the right woman. But I was in the wrong place. And finally, I wandered around a little bit and I got in the right place. There was, you need to be in the right place with the right people doing the right thing. This is your specific destination and you will love it. His hand will be on you and it'll work. And you'll be blessed in the middle of it. And you'll delight it. I talked with a lady the other day and uh, she had this apologetic tone about her because, listen to me, our society has brainwashed us. And we really need to let the water of his word wash it out again. And she said, well, I've spent my whole life just being a mother and a, and a wife and that's all I've ever done. 
I said, did you enjoy it? She said, I loved it. I wouldn't do anything else. That was her God-given call on her life. And she was blessed. That's what she was called to do. I got news for you. There's a lot of people got to the top of our culture's ladder and there's a hole in their soul big enough to drive a truck through because they are successful in the eyes of our society, but they have not found God's best for their lives. You want his best for your life. It is a specific territory we find out. Turn back with me to Joshua chapter one. All right, you got a specific area. Let me tell you something else about your destiny. We're gonna read a verse here. Truth number four, you alone are in control. God does not control your destiny. He's already decided that it'll be good for every person ever created. You're the one that'll determine where you end up. This is what we find in verse five. The Bible said this, no man, now what did he say in verses three and four? I've got a specific plan for you. I want you to get there. Verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. What did he say? I've got a plan for your life and no human being on this earth can stop what I'm doing in you. Now, our nation has embraced a mentality now, the victim mentality, the privilege mentality that because of what they've done to me or they won't let me do this, everybody's in my way and everybody's holding me back. What the Bible say? If God be for us, who can be against us? He told you, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you and nobody can stop what I planned for you. You're the only one that can do it. Let me ask you a question. Did Moses have a destiny? Everybody believe Moses had a destiny. Did somebody try to get in his way? Now, Moses was just a country cowboy. Did somebody try to get in his way? Who tried to stop him? Just the most powerful ruler in the world. What did God do to the most powerful ruler in the world when he tried to block that man's destiny? God moved him out of the way. What did he say? Anybody that gets in your way, I'll move them. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. You walk with me and I will get you to your best life. I'll get you to your destiny. Listen, let's break with this victim mentality. Let's break with, I didn't have the right education. I didn't have the right opportunity. I messed up. Knock that mess off. If God be for you, nothing can stop what he's doing in your life. You need to hear that no man, listen, not even you, not even your past can stop his best. That's what we love about our great God. You can screw it up big time. If you'll get up and walk with him, the past will be history and you can start over. But nothing can stop what he's planned for your life and the greatness that he's planned in there. Let me give you a scripture on this. Daniel chapter four, verse 17. God rules in the affairs of men. He will have the final word. I'm gonna give you one of my favorites in, in Revelation chapter three. Jesus said this, I have the key of David. I open doors and nobody can shut them. When I open a door before you, nothing on this planet can stop what I'm doing for you. Nothing. That tells me nothing can stand in the way of what he's planned for me. You alone control. Now, we're going to read the next verse and listen, let me help you. I'm going to tell you part of God's plan for your life right here. Part of your destiny is helping other people find their destiny. If you're a follower of his, it's not just about me having fun, eating cheeseburgers and being happy and fat. I mean, that's Americana. It's all about me now. Part of your destiny is going to be to help other people find their destiny. All of us. That's the only, why would I be left on this planet after I get saved? I can enjoy Jesus in glory. The only reason I'm here is because of you. The only reason we're here is because of each other. Let's read that. The scripture says this in verse six. Be strong and of good courage for to this people you, what's the word you mean? You is you. 
You shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. What did he say? I'm not just taking you somewhere. I'm going to use you to help other people get where I want them to be. I'm going to use you to help other people get somewhere too. You need to realize part of your destiny is helping other people get there. So, well, I can't be a preacher. What do school teachers do? How many of you know school teaching is a part of raising a generation up so they can find God's best for their life? A school teacher is just as called to teach in school as a preacher is called to preach by God. A carpenter, a bus driver, a physician. We're here to help people find their destinies in him. Now listen, one of the reasons God gave me my children is not to aggravate me. He gave me my children to do what? Train up a child so that when they're old, they can have the best life possible. Part of my responsibility is to help my children find their God-given destiny. That's one of the reasons that God gave them to me. Now he's going to get them there, but he wants me to help with this. I'm talking with a guy the other day and we all bemoan our children growing up. We like to keep it. Well, some of you want them to grow up and get out of the house. We bemoan them growing up. And he said, he said, I'm just afraid some guy's going to come up and pick up my daughter one day. I said, dude, you need to get over that. I said, that's not an if, that's a when. Can I get a witness? Some fool's going to come driving up a jacked up pickup truck and carry your princess off. He ain't got enough sense to bathe himself without his mama's help. Can I get a witness? <laughs> All right. I said, listen to me, quit moaning it. I said, do this. You're going to lose, lose good. You're going to lose her one day. She's going off. Don't, don't cry on me, doc. I hate to see rugged men cry. I said, quit monkeying around. Get the right guy in the driveway. How many of you know the answer is not to lock them up for life. Get the right guy in the driveway. I know the plans I have for her. He said, well, I'll talk to her. I said, no, 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 no. Don't talk to her. You'll blow everything up. Get in your closet and talk to God. Pray to God for your children. Thy will be done in there. Part of your destiny is to pray the plans of God done on your children and your grandchildren. I've been praying for my children since before they were born. How many of you know you make two big decisions in life? What are you going to do with Jesus and who are you going to marry? And you need to pray that every day of your kids' lives and your grandkids' lives, pray over them. They say, well, they're not cooperating. Quit talking to them and talk to the one who can make things happen. Go into your closet, close your door, pray to your God who is in secret and your God who listens to your prayer in secret will reward you publicly. Pray them down. Listen, what is the, I love this old, I love this old song. Somewhere in the world today, a little girl goes out to play all dressed up in mama's clothes. At least that's the way I suppose. Somewhere in the world tonight before she reaches to turn out the light, praying from a tender heart, a simple prayer that's a work of heart. I don't even know her name, but I'm praying for her just the same. We need to pray God's blessing and best down on our kids. Quit turning our, quit saying, I hope it works out well. Get in your closet and pray his best down on our people, on your family. Part of your destiny is to help other people find their destiny. And that involves the people you're around. Listen, I know you think you bought that house in that neighborhood because it was a good deal. How do you know God wasn't in that? How do you know he didn't put you there to do something in that neighborhood and help those people? Now, some of you are mad because you married into a family that's a bunch of idiots. <laughs> They're all idiots, especially, I mean, I shouldn't have said that last week being Christmas was all together. <laughs> Let me tell you why you're in that family. You know why you're in there? God put you there. What does the Bible say in Matthew chapter six? You are the light of the world. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it in a man cave. 
but on a lampstand, a strategic place so it can give light to those who are in the house. God put you in that crazy family to serve your purpose, serve his purposes. You say, but everybody's an idiot. He must think a lot of you to give you that crowd <laughs> all by yourself. Then as we have got to start seeing God's perspective on life. It's not about eating cheeseburgers, burping and having fun. It's about the big picture. And you want to enjoy your life? Help other people find their destiny. Live for that thing. That's part of the purpose of why we're there. That's what the scripture teaches you and I, that we're there to serve that. <clears throat> One of the greatest pictures of this, and I'm going to tell you, I've told this story before, but as I've told you, I'm the age where I can start repeating myself. Repeating myself, you understand that? He taught me this one day. I love Special Olympics. Katie and I worked in it when we were kids in college. And I'm watching the Special Olympics one day in Philadelphia. And there's 10 people. They're lined up to run. They're going to run the 40-yard dash. And they fire the gun and they take off. And some's running and some was waddling. And they're doing the 40-yard shuffle. And they're getting down there. And after about five or six paces, one of them just fell down and busted the ground. That's good. That means I can win. Isn't the goal to beat everybody? Isn't that, what, isn't that what we've taught our kids? Isn't the goal all about beating everybody and me being number one and me being first? Nonsense. That's not kingdom thinking. And you know what happened? All night, when she fell down, all nine of them stopped running, came back and helped her up. And I thought, they don't understand how this stuff works. And they helped her up and they brushed her knees off and brushed her elbows off, saw that she was okay. One got one arm, one got the other arm and they all waddled down together and they all crossed the line together. And the judges gave them all gold medals. Spirit of God spoke to me and said, that's my kingdom right there. That's how my, it's not, listen, it's not about you being the greatest. It's not about you being the first. It's not about you having the biggest. It's about you bringing people with you. And he said, by the way, son, you don't get no medal unless you bring some folks with you. That's why I fuss at y'all like I do. I could outrun you, but I've got to bring y'all with me. I don't want to cross the line without my family. I don't want to cross the line without the people around me. It's not, it's not one for one. It's one for all. Listen, Jesus cares about everybody. And our goal in life is to bring people with us. That's, that's part of our destiny is to do that. Let me finish by saying this. There's a warning in this passage right here. And it says this. Don't miss God's best by settling for something good. Don't miss the best. There's a, listen, here's, here's the truth. Distractions destroy people's destinies. Let's read it in verse seven where the Bible said this. Verse seven, be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded. Watch these words. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may be successful, that you might prosper. What do you say will steal your destiny? Turning. If you turn to the right or you turn to the left, listen, it may not be bad. It might not be cocaine. It might not be uh, embezzlement. It might be something good. But do you understand if you turn to the right or to the left, you're going to miss the best? He said, don't do that. He taught me this one day when me and my grandma was watching The Price is Right. Anybody old enough to remember Monty Hall? Yeah. All right, this is old people's day today. This is all this old folks. Had a game on TV called Price is Right. Monty Hall, the deal was he'd make deals with people. And as the game went on, the stakes went up and the deals got bigger and bigger. And as a lady won a toaster, so you know this is old, back when toasters were valuable. She won a toaster because she had a comb in her pocketbook. At the, end of the, at the end of the game, end of the show, he came and he said, I'll trade you that toaster for what's behind door number three. And I saw, I saw her fingers tighten up on that toaster. I said, she's not going to do it, Grandma. Grandma said, shut up and listen. 
was back before we knew modern child rearing. And she was clinging and she said, I'm not going to do it. He said, you sure? She said, I'm not going to do it. But he didn't sure what's behind door number three. And then after she said no and missed the chance, he said, sure, what's behind door number three? And it was a Buick automobile. Toasters are nice. <laughs> Let me make an announcement. Buick beats toaster. I don't care where you're from. <laughs> and let me tell you what happened. When, she, when that Buick, when they got a new car, when they saw that Buick, they turned the camera on her face and listened carefully. Her attitude toward that toaster changed. And she realized this thing that I clung to so much has cost me something so much better. That's exactly what that verse says. How many people got a good little life going and God says this, I'll trade you your little life for your destiny. I'll trade you what you got going on for the big picture. And boy, we cling to our little plans. He won't steal it from you. If you want to drive your life, he'll let you do it. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not in trouble. You miss it. Because I'm going to tell you something. He who created the sunset, the baby's smile, the Blue Ridge, he can do a whole lot better than you can in life. And when you turn it loose and say, here, I, I'm not just going to go to church. I'm not just going to be a Christian. Take my life and let it be. I, I want the best you got. You're going to lose your toaster. But the toaster will be eclipsed by the Buick and you won't remember your toaster. I had my, I told you, I had my life planned out. I was going to be a career criminal. I was, wasn't, I probably wouldn't last long. Then I got saved and realized you can't be a criminal to be a Christian. That message has not gotten out to some people. So I decided I'm going to be a highway patrolman. So I'm going to be a highway patrolman. I'm going to drive fast and shoot people and fight. It seems like a pretty good life right there. And it'd all be legal. Plus somebody else's gas. I thought that'd be pretty good. So he, he, he says, no, you're going to be a preacher. And I thought, just shoot me with my own pistol. You hate me. Because this nice beaut uniform, that fast car, I'm a gun. Pilot oh, to life. And all of a sudden I see myself sitting in this meeting in a nasty polyester suit with a bunch of haggard old women fighting over the fruit salad at the missionary meeting. I'm... But you know, it come, he will wrestle you to the ground in his kindness. Thank you. Thank you. So he took my gun and my badge and my patrol car away. I had to give my toaster up. Thank you. Thank you. I'm telling you, I did lose my badge and my patrol car. God, what he has given me. Because mm. for some reason, I just dared to say, thy will be done in everything and mean it. Listen to me. Hand your toaster over, dude. Do not let distractions steal what he's planned for you. Don't turn to the right or the left. Get there. One last word. Are you ready? Do not let the distractions steal anything from you. All righty. Let's read this. Verse seven or verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. That you, and by the way, that book is not Facebook. That you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have what? How many people do you know that want to be successful? What did the Bible just tell you? Right? I've heard people say, well, I don't think God really cares about us being successful. Why did he tell you how to do it? If he doesn't want you to be successful in what? What did it say? Child rearing, marriage, relationships, jobs, hobbies. I'm convinced he's in our hobbies if we let him. Now let me tell you what, it, his, golf is not his plan for my life. 
I know it's not. Businessmen have tried to take me. It's dangerous. I, I just, a pro golfer told me, he said, you just can't be taught. It's not possible. I have one goal. Hit the sucker as hard as you can and who cares where it goes. Just get it out of here. You can't have this kind of personality and play golf. You have to be relaxed. I was born to fish. I believe God called me to be a fisherman. Not for money. I don't catch that much. <laughs> for fun. You say, that's the craziest thing I've heard. You know what religion is? Religion is a man sitting in church thinking about fishing. Faith is a man sitting in his bass boat thinking about God and telling him how great he is. I was called to fish. That's why I, he put me out. Now, if he called you to play golf, God bless you. I'll give you my stuff. You go help yourself. He is not the God of the church house. He's the God of everything there is. He created me to drive forwards. I don't want you to do something for me. See if you can find something in the Bible. I want you to look in verse eight. No, 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 don't look in there yet. Let me ask you a question. Just off the, off the top. Why was the Bible written? I want you to just think about your answer and think about what you've been taught all your life. Why was the Bible written? You see, when I was a young man, I was taught that the Bible was written to ruin my life. That's what I was taught by religious people. Because the Bible is the book where it said you can't cuss, drink, smoke, chew, smile, listen to Led Zeppelin. The Bible is the book that took everything I liked out of my life. So I thought the Bible was given to ruin my life. Anybody ever been taught that? I want you to look in verse eight. You tell me why the Bible was written. This book shall not depart from your mouth, meditating it day and night, that you may do what? Listen to me carefully. The Bible was written to make you successful. Can't you see it? This book shall not depart that you might be successful in everything you do and prosper everywhere you go. How many of you are surprised that the Bible is written to make you prosper? It was the Bible is written so you could be a pro so you could have a prosperous, successful life. Can't you see it? Can, can you not hear the heart of a father here saying, I want you to do well. It's up to you. Nobody can stop you. I've got great things planned, but this book will be the book that gets you there. When I got saved, one thing I did smart, I didn't go to church. I'm not very religious. I still screw up a lot, but I love this book. And I've lived in this book. Let me tell you, this book has done for me. This book has brought me peace on the inside. How many millionaires would give up some of their money to have peace on the inside? This book has made me happy because I read I have to serve the, serve the Lord with gladness whether I like it or not. That's why I'm one of the happiest people you'll ever meet. I have to. It's part of my religion. I got that out of this book right here. I've got one of the greatest marriages on earth. You know why? I learned how to be married out of this book. We've been blessed with our kids because we did not raise our children according to modern psychological teaching. They ain't no sense letting the inmates run to prison. I learned how to raise children out of that book. The reason my church has been so blessed, I learned how to run a church out of this book. I mean, if we'll go back to this book, tell me the purpose of the Bible, that in everything you do, you might prosper and be successful. This is the secret to life right here. I want you to hear the heart of the Father. Matter of fact, we, we struggle with this thing. I've had people say, I don't believe God really wants us to be successful now. It's when we get to heaven. You're as lost as a ball in high weeds. Let's look at one more. Turn with me all the way to the end of the Bible, to the book of 3 John. You can find it. It's right behind 2 John. Book of 3 John. God's going to speak in one verse, and I want you to listen to what he's got to say to you. Dear ones, the Bible is not a history book. The Bible is God speaking to you. I want you to reach the point in your life where if you read a verse in the Bible, it's no different than God himself stepping down and talking to you because the Bible is God speaking to you. 
And I want you to read this verse and I want you to tell me what he's got to say to you here concerning your life, your business, your family. And it's 3 John verse 2 and it says this. Beloved, I pray that you may do what? Does God pray that you might prosper? So he wants you to prosper in what? What does it say? That you might prosper in all things and be in health as your what? Soul prospers. He wants you to prosper on the inside and the outside in everything you do. Which comes first, inside or outside? Jesus said about the ministers, you're like pretty graves. You're like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but there's death on the inside. What did Jesus say? Cleanse the inside of the cup, then the outside will be fine. Dear ones, God wants you to prosper on the inside, which means this. Let's get things right on the inside. What are the five words of prosperity on the inside? In your heart, there's love, joy, peace, hope. How many people could use some hope in this land today? God is going to do something good for me. That's hope and freedom. When that gets on the inside, guess what happens on the outside? It is the will of God that you prosper and be successful in everything you do. I don't care whether it's rabbit hunting, basket knitting, whatever you do, he wants you to do well at it and shine at it and be a light in everything you do. That's why the Bible said, I want you to do this. I don't quit by asking you a question. What do you hear there? What do you hear in Joshua chapter one, verses one through eight? I hear the heart of a father. I hear a father saying, I've got plans for you. They're good. They're specific. I want to get you there. Don't let anything rob you of these plans. I want to take you there, but I want this book to get you there. All right, I've got three children. Some of you got kids. Some of you are going to have kids someday. How many of you, when your kids were born, you looked at them and said, I hope they get on drugs early. I hope they never learn to read or write. I hope they never have any friends. How many of you said that about your kids? No decent human being. What do you want for your kids? Tell me what you wanted. I wanted my kids to be strong and healthy. I wanted them to learn. I wanted, them to, I wanted my kids to be happy. I made sure that they was happy whether they liked it or not around our house. My mom, my mom, their mama fed them and looked after them and cared for them and I was the entertainment. We're going to make sure our kids are happy in our house. I wanted them to have great friends. I ran the bad ones off and saw to that. I wanted them to have great friends. I wanted them to get a good education. I wanted them to find work. I don't care whether they drive the trash truck or manage the bank. It doesn't matter to me as long as they are successful and enjoy what they're doing. I want my kids to have a great life. Do you think the creator of the universe who is the father of us all wants anything less for you? The creator of this universe is your father and he has good plans for you and he wants the best for you. Get this book in your heart and live in that. How many of you I can get to agree with me? Let's go for a little bit more than just cheeseburgers and burping. Father, we praise you and thank you for your goodness and kindness. Thank you for the heart of a father that has planned so much more. My, my heart aches when I read your word and I listen to your spirit and I see people living below what you want to give them. Oh, you said, if my people would listen to me, I would feed them with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy them. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray over every person in this room, not one person in this room, miss what they were created to enjoy. I don't want one person to miss anything. I pray to you in the name of Jesus, bring every person into their God-given destiny, the plans you have for them, the future, the people, everything. I want them when they get old and gray and they're fixing to wind it up, look back and say, I would never have dreamed God would have done all this for me. And they'll go out of this earth praising you because of your kindness to them. I trust you for that. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.